syndicated source material. Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Syndicated Source Material. You're about to get into the 22nd episode that aired on the Radlich in Broadcasting Network. This episode focuses on the 1993 number one issue of Savage Dragon out of Image Comics, uh, created by Eric Larson. It aired around late February, early March of 2015. So you'll notice that we skipped another episode. Episode 21 was a discussion episode, and that will air at some point in the future. The original length of this episode was two hours and five minutes. I got it down to about an hour and ten. And this was the first in a series I was planning on doing called Image Firsts, or something like that. <laughs> uh, focusing on the first issue some of some of the 90s Image comics. I know we did this one. Spawn and Stormwatch, I believe, and at some point I'd like to do some more. As a matter of fact, Spawn and Savage Dragon are still being published. As I'm recording this, this is October of 2020, and a year ago, in October of 2019, Spawn was getting ready to celebrate a record-breaking issue 301. The record being broken is Spawn becoming the longest-running creator-owned comic book series. Spawn's mentioned in this episode, but mainly our focus is on Eric Larson and his creation, The Savage Dragon. There's a fun little bit that I left in here. I, I, I debated on whether to take it out or not, but it's a funny story where I tweeted Eric Larson from the Source Matt Cast Twitter. I asked a ridiculous auto-corrected question and turns out to be a pretty pretty funny story. But yeah, I guess without further ado, let's get into Savage Dragon number one. Here we go. Oh, well, friends, folks, listeners, uh, welcome to another episode of Source Material, our 22nd episode, apparently. I'm, I'm keeping track. Tonight, we are going to... Uh, a little series that just kind of came to mind a while back. Many of you listened to me talk uh, comics there the past few episodes. Um, I'm a I'm a huge Image fan. I'm a huge '90s guy. I thought to myself, what would it would be pretty cool to do a series of shows focus, focusing on the number one issues that were in Image's heyday. All right. Uh, tonight we're going to talk the Savage Dragon number one, um, specifically. Uh, first issue of the Unlimited series. There was a three-issue limited series that came out, but we're going to talk about number one of the Unlimited series, that iconic green and black cover uh, with Savage Dragon on the front. And we're also going to delve into a little bit of the man behind the dragon, Eric Larson. This is one of my favorite characters. This is why I, I started with this, with Savage Dragon first. This is definitely one of my, one of the characters that I loved, and when I grabbed the first, one of the first books, off the shelf and reading it, I was like, "Crap! This is this is some great stuff. This is not what I'm used to." It was so I want to. I don't want to. I don't know if revolutionary is the word, but it, it took your eyes by storm. You looked at mm -hmm. it and you were you were hooked. Ronnie, buddy, Savage Dragon. Let me see if there's anything else I needed to. Oh, let me give a shout out here real quick to um, uh, some of the reference material uh, that I you know that we're, I'm going to kind of refer to here on on some of the things. Um, uh, I guess <laughs> I can't really shout out specifically to the one because I didn't write them down. But YouTube, there's a lot of Eric Larson videos out there. So there, I grabbed a, you know, I learned a lot off of YouTube. We'll put it that way. Also, there is a book out there. If anybody is has a chance to get a hold of it, um, it's called Images, uh, or excuse me, 
Image, The Road to Independence. Image Comics, The Road to Independence. It's by Tomorrow's Publishing. Um, looking at the author, George, excuse, yeah, George Corey. But I'll tell you right now, folks, if you get a chance to read this book, whether by, you know, by buying it, or not, but uh, um, to where you can read it on your Kindle, you, you talk about local library. That's another thing. Support your local library. If it's out there at the library, they may have it. But you talk about some great detailed information about some of the how the image founders, number one, and, and some of the people that are mostly tied uh, with image when it first started. A great, great resource. Um, I'll probably bring up a few things that were mentioned in that also. But, uh, okay, now, as if you guys couldn't tell, we got Ronnie from Spring Boy Podcast on here again. Uh, Ronnie, my friend, can you give me an idea how you came across a character? or, or How did you first uh, know Savage? Simply by by looking for something different, um, an image, and Eric Larson provided that with Savage Dragon. It was a eye-catching cover, completely different from what I'm used to uh, as far as comic books, superheroes, and whatnot go. Uh, picked it up, flipped through it, bought it, loved it, uh, and continued on from there. Brand new off the shelf, so you you saw it on you saw it on the newsstands, grabbed it, or did this was something you grabbed when it first came out, not not in not in past issue form, back issue form or trade form or anything like that, right? Right. You talk about different. That's one of the things that when we get into talking about the issue itself, that's one of the first things I want to talk about is how the look and the feel of the comic book are completely different to what we were... If you were a Marvel or DC person, you know, the big two would put out these books that... I wish I could... You know, the pages, man, if you go back and grab an early 90s, late 80s book, the pages in there... Just, I mean, it was like newspaper almost, you know, maybe a tiny yeah. bit thicker than newspaper. Um, were you familiar with Eric Larson prior to Savage Dragon? It was weird for me because I was familiar with art style and, and writing and things like that, uh, but didn't pay much attention to names until later on. And, uh, you know, Eric Larson, I got to know him through, of course, Savage Dragon and through stuff he did with uh, uh, Spider-Man and, and a few others. Uh, yeah, Spider-Man. That's kind of where I came in also, when he was doing Spider-Man. Big Mary Jane hair. Yeah. Huge 90s hair. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, indeed. Reading in that Road to Independence book, kind of picking, he, he came in after Todd McFarlane with Spider-Man. So mm-hmm. Todd McFarlane took Spider-Man, you know, and just blew Spider-Man out of the water. Everybody was like, holy crap, look at this. Todd left, and his, uh, from what I understand, his he, his choice was for Eric to pick up where he left off. And Eric, he was stepping into the book and, imit- I wouldn't say trying to imitate Todd's style, but he would take some stuff that Todd had done because as Todd's going off of the book, you, you when you switch from Todd McFarlane, you want an artist that's going to follow up that book uh, and still have everybody going, oh man, it's, you know this looks good, or maybe even looks a little bit similar. Yeah, that's one thing that he mentioned was that he kept you know he kept the, the webbing that was one of the things that he focused on, big Mary Jane hair, uh, but he he made some things his own too. I can remember a few issues of Amazing Spider-Man and Spider. Spider-Man, of course, I got that whole, let's talking to you offline about that whole run of Spider-Man that I picked up. Great Eric Larson uh, issues in there. Prior to Image, now that's kind of where I saw him too. I, I was getting into, you know, the McFarlane art, the Eric Larson art. Back in the day, were you a fan of Liefeld's back in the day at all? I can look at it now, and I remember going, I liked 
what was I liked it because it was comic. It was they were comic books. I liked them. Yeah. Uh, I read it. I enjoyed some of the, you know most of the storylines. But I do remember going, well, this looks good, but man, those are funny looking feet. And why does Cable have a gun the size of a building? I'm going. Here's and, what I'm going to do. I'm going to I want to peel back. I want to peel back a little layer here, and I'm going to I'm going to I'm just going to kind of throw this out here, and then I'll let you finish. I have a wood burner down here that I have to load every night before I go to bed. I like picking up those big logs with the with the sticks on the end and pretending they're, they're one of those table guns. <laughs> yes, that's amazing. Oh my gosh! And you got to make sure it has two barrels. Oh, that's right. For, well, never mind. Yeah. <laughs> no, you can just take a sharpie and write, you know, draw it on the end. That's true. Um, yeah, just a big line right in the middle. Uh, 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 yeah. All respect to Rob Liefeld. I, I, the dude's obviously made way more money than I ever will drawing comics, and he's got a great fan yeah. base. His image story is going to be pretty interesting to talk a little bit. Man, he has taken so much crap for the way he, you know, the way he drew. But I'll tell you right now, I was a fan. I was a, he, it drew me in just as well. I've, I've got plenty of Liefeld issues up sitting upstairs. Before we go on, anything else you wanted to talk about prior to Savage Dragon or anything with Larson? Just I was a fan of his art style. Um, you could definitely tell there was a difference. Uh, he, was, he was keeping true to, to McFarlane and the Spider-Man series, but uh, he had his own style, body formation, all that stuff. He had a blockier style than McFarlane because McFarlane yeah. drew Spider-Man with like no joints, mm-hmm. uh, kind of, <laughs> you know. Uh, legs mm-hmm. going over his head and all that stuff, and and uh, and Larson didn't really re- didn't really do that, and uh, I enjoyed his art a little more than McFarland's, to be honest with you. All right, so prior to Image, okay, and actually prior to comics, before he got into comics, what I learned was Eric Larson actually came up with the Savage Dragon character when he was nine years old. Um, wow. Yeah. If you go on Wikipedia, they they kind of quote what was said in this book also. Uh, the dragon, of course, in his early form was a cross between, uh, I think, like Batman and, and Speed Racer and all this other, you know, it was just an amalgam of things that he really liked. Uh, so he brought them all together and it became the dragon, I think is what it was. Originally, the, you know, Savage Dragon had a mask. This guy was just wearing like a, instead of a, you know, Batman mask, it was like a dragon mask. And so he created the character back then. He's had this character in his mind ever since, you know, ever since he was nine years old. Um, did, he actually started producing some comics uh, very, you know, very early. There was like a, a fanzine uh, that was created with him and a couple of his friends called Graphic Fantasy, and it featured Larson's character. One of the crazy things that I read in this book was that uh, I think it was it was high school for Eric Larson, and he he dropped out of school. So whether he's gra- I didn't see if he's gone back and got a GED or whatever. Obviously, he's doing well for himself. I'm sure he's doing well for himself back in the 90s. What was really, that wasn't the crazy part. The crazy part was the fact that his dad, like, supported the fact that he dropped out of school. Hmm. He told his dad, you know, he told his dad, look, I'm dropping out of school. I want to, you know, I'm focusing on this artist thing. I'm going to, I want to draw my own comics. And his dad's like, okay. He's like, you're, his dad was completely supportive of the fact that the way he made it sound is that his dad was sink or swim. Wasn't being hard on him in any way. He was, he was like, okay, look, you're going to do this. You can do it. You know, I, I believe in you. You want to drop out of school? You learn as you go. You know, you, it's trial by fire. You, you want to make these decisions? You go ahead and do so. Uh, so his dad was like really completely cool about it. So he just straight up dropped out of school and started focusing on his career as an artist. Um, another thing that I'd learned was that one of his big, I guess one of his big dreams was to draw the Hulk. 
And believe it or not, he actually had the opportunity to do some issues of the Hulk. But at, at that point in time in his life, he was just like, I'm not interested. I mean, this was like prior to Image, too. He, he just decided he was not interested in doing the and in, in actually pursuing the opportunity to try and to try and do the Hulk. You can kind of see a little bit of that in the Savage Dragon. Yeah, definitely a, a hulky type character. Just doing a little research, um, I, I didn't realize he had dropped out of school, but I did know that about about the Dragon and him being you know just a, a kind of a mixture of like a Batman like character and uh, who he drove a car copied from Mach Five, which was Speed Racer's car. Yeah, um, yeah. And then later on, I think he turned him into kind of a Captain Marvel, where uh, he had to use a magic word to to trigger his powers. Um, oh, really? So, yeah, I, I read that as well. So he there was a there's a progression of the dragon character over the years, going from just a guy, I guess, kind of like a vigilante to uh, somebody with powers, but he could switch back and forth to what Savage Dragon is today. Did you know that Larson was on the Punisher book at one point in Marvel? I, I did read uh, read that as well, uh, reading up on uh, Mr. Larson, but I've not read that, but I would really like to, because I know it was, uh, it was like four or five issues, wasn't it? Um, I, I, I knew he was on it. I don't know how long. Uh, I know that what I, th- what I found was interesting, he mentions... Uh, is that he was on the book, but he didn't he he didn't like it. He didn't like doing it. And even though the book was like really hot at the time, I mean, the Punisher in the '90s was. I mean, you were trying to oh, get yeah. your hands on the issues, man. But even though he was on that book, he didn't like it at all. And the reason was is he he wanted to draw characters that could punch somebody through a wall or hit somebody <laughs> and send them across the state. And the Punisher isn't going to do that. And it's very tough right. to write a story where the Punisher's launching somebody into that the orb into orbit by hitting them. So but yeah, he I, I understand that he didn't he didn't like the gig. Um and I, I don't know if he regrets it. Actually if you if you talk to Eric Larson, uh, or just by judging what I've seen, the guy regrets nothing. If you ask him about a decision that seems questionable, usually he's he's got a very good reason as to what as to why the decision was made and why it's right. I don't think he would regret. He regret, even though I don't know. Maybe it would have cost him some money, but you know, he he doesn't come across as a guy who regrets a whole lot of uh, decisions. Matter of fact, um, before Image hit, and I don't know if you saw this and anything that you saw, but um, before you know they break off and go into Image in '91, his freaking house burned down. I assume it was like a big forest fire, you know, wildfire, because he said there were 2,000 homes that went up in flames. The guy asked him, he's like, "Well, did you lose?" Everything and he goes well. It uh, it cleaned out the garage. <laughs> yeah, I don't know if it burned up all his childhood stuff. I mean, imagine putting all your heart and soul into a character. You know, dropping out of school to pursue a career. Uh, a fire comes up and just takes everything away from this guy. Uh, me, I would be in a shambles. But you talk to this guy, he says the, there's only one thing that he really wishes he had out of that out of that whole debacle, and that was a piece of art. Some a very famous artist, I think, in true form, or maybe it was a page out of a comic. But uh, he really he misses that because it was one of a kind deal. But everything else, man, I mean, it it just didn't seem like it faced him. He's like, all right, well, I, I just start, you know, just start over. Very nonchalant, just like, well, my house burnt down. I guess we gotta just gotta start over. Now we're going to get into how he becomes a founder of Image. Again, I, it was revolutionary. I can't use that word enough. When when Image broke off from Marvel, you had these top guys all coming together and just saying, hey, we're, 
we're, we're done with you. We're going to go open up our own company, mainly because of money, because Marvel was using a lot of art uh, that Jim Lee, Todd McFarlane was doing and putting it out there on merchandise. And these guys weren't seeing any of this merchandise uh, or any of this, any of these, any of this money coming back to them. I guess you should say it was all going in Marvel's pocket. Um, so they, you know, they they got fed up. Now, is there a person that you would say was the ringleader of these guys leaving? I guess if you're going to look at the ringleader, it would be probably the 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 top. I mean, like the the, the your Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman of of the comic book artists and, and writers, and that would be McFarland, Lee, and and Liefeld. Probably uh, McFarland had a lot to do with that. When I first thought about that, I, you know, that's the first person I was thinking of was it's, it's McFarland. Uh, well, I mean, if you look yeah. at it now, M- McFarland is. The guy is, I mean, he's money. Uh, and I think yeah. that's what he was, you know, he was he was all about. One of the things that Eric Larson says in that book is that McFarlane joined joined after, supposedly. But if, if there, I've got different, different accounts. You know, I, I've seen where there was that documentary I watched with Leo Shriver on Netflix. Um, anyway, they talk about Image in there and about how those three guys just, you know, walked into the office. And I think it was McFarlane, Lifefeld, and Lee. They walk in and they're like, "This is this is what we want. If we don't get it, we're walking." Then they go over. I guess they go over to D.C., which is right across the street. They go over to D.C. and they were just like, "Okay, hey, look, this is what we want." And just to let you know, we're leaving these guys if we don't, you know, if we don't get it. Uh, if you guys can't come up with it, we're out of here. But apparently, the, you know, it already been made. The decision was already made that they were going to be leaving, no matter what. They just wanted D.C. I think they just wanted D.C. to know, hey, we're going to be out. Larson's account is that if McFarland came in actually later. I think Liefeld and uh, a couple of, I think it was Liefeld, Larson, and I can't remember the other guy he was talking about. Um, Valentino, I think, were the first three to come up with the idea of leaving. So that's kind of how Image begins, and, and Larson's kind of handed it. At the time, I was really glad they took off. <laughs> I won't know if I had much of a business mind, you know, back in the day. Uh, I, I, I tout Image as as the company that got me back into reading reading comics, it wasn't like I was exclusively reading Image all the time or anything. But I was, you know, I had my I had my Image titles, and I was back into to the X books and and reading some of that stuff. Um, but I I would, you know, I I say that those are the guys that actually got me back into. It, it wasn't for something like this happening. You know, I, I don't know if I'd be reading today, to be honest. Yeah, um, because absolutely. It was just. So on the cusp, and like I said, I didn't have much of a business line, so I didn't know, I didn't understand the whole business part. When you see these guys leaving Marvel, what the first thing that comes to mind is Rebels. It's like, you yeah. know, you're walking, you're walking out the door with your middle finger in the air. <laughs> I'm going to start my own company. I, you got to have some balls to do that. Number one, because you know, these are the big two. You're talking about going and doing stuff. How many years? They've been around and they've been dominating the industry. You're just going to up and leave. And I think Marvel probably scoffed at the fact that these guys, you know, we've been around for this long and these guys are going to go out there and try and do something totally new. And we've been here for this long. I, their ego was probably pretty freaking big. They probably wanted to watch these guys fall on their face. 
It was very ballsy. I mean, it was, I remember when this happened, some friends of mine and I were just wondering actually what was going to happen to Marvel Comics because some of their best guys were were gone or were leaving. You know, when Image came around, we were like, holy crap. We knew who Todd McFarlane and Rob Liefeld were and all that. And so we were just kind of wondering, like, (laughs) I mean, mostly I knew through my friends. I was like, oh, yeah, I, I know, you know, what they do. Their comments were the two to the tune of what is what's going to be the fate of Marvel Comics. Not knowing back then, it's Marvel Comics. They're going to be around no matter what, no matter who leaves. They were pretty excited about what was happening with Image and everything. And me being not a casual collector, but not really, like I said, not really knowing names, but knowing art styles and things like that. Yeah, I was I was pretty excited because. It was revolutionary. It was new. It, they were doing things, and they were allowed to do things that they weren't allowed to do with Marvel Comics because of, and we'll probably hit on this later, uh, maybe, the comic code of approval. Oh. You know, they didn't go by that. Allowed, uh, you know, more adult-themed uh, storylines. You know, it was edgy because they could curse and things, you know, uh, different things along that line. And it was it was something different and I'm right there with you. I was, like I said, not a casual collector. I I loved it and I loved reading them, but it was one of those instances where reading Savage Dragon and reading Spawn and and being caught up in the image revolution that uh, it really drew me back into collecting again. What was your first image book that you bought? Was it this one or was it another one? I hope it was Uh, Youngblood. I'm pretty sure (laughs) (laughs) Youngblood was one of the, one of the first ones, (laughs) but, uh, Oh gosh, I, but I think it was this one, um, and I also remember uh, having uh, Wildcats in there. Savage Dragon definitely was, if not the first, one of the first. Uh, Spawn also. Oh yeah. Were you able to get in on the Spawn number one, or were you? Uh, was no. It like that? And I every, remember when that. Every shop I that, went to. Was, yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> We, no, yeah, every we, got, shop I went we got the same out. story. We got the same story here. Yeah, that's exactly right. Every <laughs> freaking store, and if you were trying to get a spawn number one, you know, it was going to be, it was going to cost you some money. Yeah, because you were and, much laugh at. I know, dude. And today, you know, we're talking. Wow, uh, what are we talking here? Twenty, man. Uh, it's going to be 23, 23 years ago. Um, yeah. You know, that it was a, it was like a really, really hot book. But And we'll probably, most likely during this image series, we're going to mo- mention the, the comic bubble bursting. But for a comic book like that, it, people thought it was just so extremely rare to get a hold of. I mean, they sold nine, it was Spawn number one, I think, sold 900,000 copies. Okay? Good night. That's not rare. <laughs> I mean, if there's 900,000 copies out there, folks, that is not rare. And that's the way things were being treated. Yeah, things were being treated so, like, you know, it was such a speculative market back then. And, of course, that just blew up in people's faces. And what was funny was, uh, this is God's honest truth right here. My buddy Dave, the same guy I had on here for uh, the Infinity Gauntlet, we, we met in college. And that guy, you know, that's one of the first things we both hit on. We, you know, we became friends. And you like comics? I like comics, too. Well, went down to his house. I think it was a couple years ago. He showed me what he's just picked up and and going through some of the stuff. And uh, we, we were trading some stuff, too, I think. I took some issues down there with him. And he's like, you want to spawn number one? He's like, I got eight of them. And I'm like, oh my I'm sitting there. I'm like, okay, first off, I, it blew my mind because I had for, I forgot how common the issue was 
I went directly back to 1992, and I'm like, phone number one. I'm like, okay, I, let me, give it. You're gonna give this to me? You're gonna give this to me? He's like, it's the most common comic in the world, man. I'm like, I'm like, oh, oh yeah, I guess you're right. So he ends up giving me, he ended up giving me a spawn number one for, you know, for nothing practically, and and uh, I was like, thanks, man. But so it, hey, I, it took me 20 some years, but I, damn it, I got my spawn number one, and yes, it's upstairs. Oh shoot! Uh, I think I jumped in on Spawn like number eight or something like that. That's that's yeah. I think that was one of the ones that's one to get. That's what I was one the first thing. But anyway, okay. So I guess we'll go ahead and start getting into the book here. I don't think I have any anything else to say here. Uh, One of one of the little notes that I had, and you may already know this, but what I thought was extremely interesting about Eric Larson's take on this character is the fact that he writes. Savage Dragon in real time. Yeah, that's really pretty stinking interesting, pretty awesome, actually. It blew my mind because I never, I didn't know this, although it makes sense. You know, I haven't been reading any of the issues lately as much as I would love to. Uh, I think I, I dropped out of Savage Dragon in the, I want to say, 50s or maybe maybe 60s or so. You know, I didn't realize that that was what he intended on doing. When he wrote this book, he wanted to write it, you know, as, as years go by, the years would go by for Dragon. Right now, from what I understand, Dragon has a son, and I think he has a daughter. His son is like 15 years old. Uh, so he, the way he writes his character, it's pretty unique. It's because you look at more, you know, you look at DC constantly. Well, you know, we're talking reboots for a reason. A lot of that is because stories get stale, and you got to give them a reason as to why they're still young. You just, you, know, you look at Peter Parker and Spider-Man, the guy, you know, Peter Parker hardly ever aged. Or at least he, it, when he did age, it was in a very, it was a very slow progression. It, it wasn't, right. you, know, you know, he he would he become an adult at some point, got married, but I mean that took years, and I mean years upon years for that, maybe even decades for stuff like that to happen. Larson takes his character year by year, and and he ages the guy year by year. And I remember one of the interviews, the guy asked him, he's like, you know, how old is Dragon? He's like, he's feeling it, he's feeling it. <laughs> so he's uh, he's up there. Well, I mean, you, you look at, I mean, that's really cool because you look at comic book characters, you know, your iconic comic book characters. How long has Batman been around? 75 years? Yeah, dude. Yeah. And, I mean, you can't. I mean, so he should be in his 90s by now. Yeah. And well, you so, can't do that. Granted, granted, you can't do that. But I think Larson's, you know, take on this character is that, and he mentions this in the book, um, you know, a guy asks him, well, you know, what do you want to happen with your character, with, with Savage Dragon? He's like, I want to write this character until I die. And the guy's like, well, you know, you want your kids to pick the book up after you? Or he's like, nope. He's like, I die. I want, you know, Savage Dragon is dead also. It's, it's, I don't want anybody else writing Dragon. I'm done. Wow. And he's done. I don't know if there's any other creators out there that are like that. First time I ever heard anything like that. So I thought that was pretty um, That's all right, very well, awesome. Yeah, definitely. Let's go ahead and we'll get into, I'll bust open the bag and the board here and take out my mint condition. <laughs> Uh, Savage Dragon number one. I'm going to do things a little bit different. I was telling Ronnie before we got on here. Probably do, do it a little bit different this time. Usually we go panel by panel or whatever and just, you know, break the story down. But, uh, what I want to do here is I'm going to do my best to summarize it uh, and just kind of bring out the key points of the issue. Because if you guys get a chance, I want you to go pick up Savage Dragon number one and enjoy it. You should be able to find it. Um, either, uh, I don't know, is Comixology do image stuff like that? Yeah, they actually do. Uh, that's where I get... Uh, like I said, I wish there was a, a, a larger scale uh, comic shop 
closer to me. Uh, so I get a lot of my stuff on comicsology, and that's where I, I kept up with Invincible and, and different books like that. So then I'm saying you know, Walking Dead, Invincible. So those are all image titles. So yeah, mm-hmm. they definitely do image. They definitely do image on there. Yeah, so you guys get a chance get out there and 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 read it. I know I know Larson was touting his trades at one of the shows I saw on YouTube. So obviously you should got should be able to find it in trade form also. Ronnie, I'm gonna I'm gonna let you do the honors here. Looking at the issue, first thing, give us your your best description of what you're you're holding in your hands and your feeling and what you see on the cover and on the inside and on the on the first page. Well, the very first thing that I noticed and still notice is that this is a this is a man that looks like a dragon holding an Uzi. <laughs> Where's my money? I'm I'm buying it Where, right now. <laughs> just grab my wallet. I'm I'm this is mine. And then you flip open the very first page and not only he's holding an Uzi, he's holding two Uzis and he's facing down um a a villain called the Shrew, who apparently mm-hmm. is very animalistic you know he doesn't he he's murdered a ton of people i mean there's just pools of blood blood is dripping from his claws and his face and he's just tearing people up for no reason and you have this incredibly large (laughs) wide-shouldered dragon man with two uzis saying you're under arrest (laughs) and i'm like okay i am captivated on to page two (laughs) the right there i Remember how you was talking about the Comics Code Authority? I, I wrote in big capital letters, blood. And, I mean, yeah. it comes in gallons in this issue. <laughs> I mean, God. it's just, I mean, right off, just like you said, first page, man, it's just nothing but blood everywhere. As a yeah. teenage kid being used to Spider-Man going around, you know, webbing up his enemies, this is nothing that I've seen no. Marvel DC do. It's not what I'm used to. I wasn't very well read as a kid when it comes to comics. I can just tell you that I was familiar with the big names and I was familiar with some of the stuff, some of the other stuff I, you know, that Marvel and DC had done. But I know that I didn't see anything like this in a in a, in a Marvel or DC comic. You were probably lucky to get maybe a trickle from the nose or the the corner of the mouth, uh, maybe a slash across Batman's chest, but not a lot. It's very thinly drawn and not a lot of attention drawn to it. Like Punisher versus Wolverine when they first met, that there should have been blood all over the place in that, and it, they fought. Oh my gosh! You know they fought in that book. When you come to two of the Marvel's most savage characters and they're fighting each other this is what the floor on this first page is probably what should look what it should look like in that book but because (laughs) comics code was around i think the punisher i mean unloaded some bullets into wolverine but i certainly don't remember anything like this at all um right but yeah right off the bat uh, you know you got your first page is just sprayed with blood you talk about the shrew that's one of the first guy one of our first villains that we actually get a chance to meet here for the Sav- for for Savage Dragon, and just like you said, he says you're under arrest. Well, folks, Big Dragon Man's a cop. At least that's what you can infer here. Which you're probably scratching your head, like, okay, so he's a cop. Uh, that's interesting. But yeah, we got the Shrew, and we got you know I mentioned him <laughs> punching people and sending them through walls or whatever. Uh, you definitely get yourself a fight here on the first two or three pages from these from these guys. And I think the Shrew ends up escaping. 
from what I can see. Yeah, there was one good punch that Dragon got in there, but mostly it was a shrew ripping him to shreds, man. Um, he got some good hits in there, yeah. We, we do get introduced to a guy by the name of Lieutenant Frank Darling, uh, who I totally forgot about. Uh, when I reread this issue, I mean, shoot, I think I hadn't read it in well over 10, 15 years. But uh, I, asked him, I can't even tell you if he's still around or, you know, he's, if he met his demise or whatever. But uh, Lieutenant Frank Darling is uh, pretty much, uh, I don't know if you call him his, I don't know if he's godfather. I don't think that'd be the right word. But we get an origin story, and Lieutenant Frank is a key part of his origin. Once you give us an idea of the dragon's origin, which is pretty interesting. Um, it was, uh, as it says in the book, it was about two years before the uh, fight with the Shrew that uh, uh, Frank Darling ran across Dragon in a burn. He was alive in the middle of a burning field. Dragon was uh, had amnesia, could not remember anything about his life. Uh, I also remember from uh, the, the trade I have here that kind of went more into the story, more into detail of his backstory, uh, that he could tell you who the president was and what year it was, but he couldn't tell you anything about himself. He found out that he's he's you know got super strength, so he gets him a job with uh, I think he's his uh, with Frank Frank Darling gets him a job with his brother or his cousin. I'm sorry, at a warehouse, and it's attacked. By by um, by what they call super freaks, uh, which were kind of like a mutant, you know, the bad you know bad guys showing up, and uh, they have powers and everything. So he fights them off. They blow up the warehouse, and then Frank Darling says, "Hey, you could really help the you could help the police force because they are not equipped to deal with uh, with these super freaks." So from there, he joins the police force, and so you have your very first superpowered police officer. Yeah. There's a little bit of a Lieutenant Frank is like there's a little bit of a dark side there because he he talks about how originally Dragon refused and then he thought it'd be a good idea to send the villains in to kind of rough up that guy that ran the or his the dude he was living with at the warehouse and they, the guys they ended up killing him and then I think uh, that's when Dragon made the decision reluctantly to join the force but yeah I mean if you're a Chicago if you're Chicago PD and you've got a ton of Super villains running around. I mean, you're, you're pretty much useless. I mean, you're, there's no there's no sense in even attempting to try. So I can understand Lieutenant Darling's. Um, you know, I can understand his position, but he went about it all in the wrong way. I would. Um, so we kind of get that little bit of a backstory there, and you know, we kind of understand now how Dragon is uh, part of the Force. Then we we also get to be Alex. Alex Wilder, and uh, I think they were partners at one time before this. Okay. Okay. You know, we see a couple, a few pages with her. She's obviously concerned about the dragon. They're friends. You can, ca- you, you get that idea. They were casual love interests at one time. Uh, later on in the storyline, I mean, there was a few before her, but uh, there wasn't anything serious between them. They were just, you know, like I said, just casual. Okay. Okay. So yeah, we get to meet. We, we get to meet her. Um, you could tell, you know, throughout the book, she's she's concerned. As a matter of fact, there's a point where you know she talks Dragon into going in and. Oh, yeah, we forgot about, you know, Dragon had a girlfriend who had gotten killed also. Did you mention that? Uh, we did not, actually. Uh, yeah. After, yeah. After he joined the force, they, uh, somebody, uh, he goes to his apartment, which is, has nothing in it, I don't think, and he finds a, a young girl uh, hanging out in front of his door. She's been kicked out by her mother, and they end up uh, falling in love, and then somebody shows up. She answers the door. Somebody shows up at his apartment. Uh, she answers the door, and they shoot her in the head. And it That's was cool. her ex shoots his girlfriend in the head. Yeah. Oh wow. 
<clears throat> yeah, that was that was later on, right? I mean, that was definitely a, a few issues later. Um, actually, this was uh, this was part of the backstory before this before this oh. happens. What's the trade you got there? Is it just? Um... It's a uh, it's the um, basically it's the the limited series, the backstory of the Savage Dragon, okay, how they found him, how he got the dragon name, when he joined the force. Different people he runs into, uh, like Super Patriot, uh, the girl that he met, uh, they fell in love with, and he actually has a standoff with Bad Rock. Spawn shows up briefly, really briefly. Spawn shows up in it. He and Bad Rock tear up a couple of city blocks together. This is the three, the three issue limited series. Yes, yeah, because okay. it's yeah, it's three issues. I was just looking at it. It was the limited series. But the point of Bad Rock tearing up the uh, he and Bad Rock getting into a fight was Bad Rock wanted to see if he was tough enough uh, to join their team. And um, <laughs> young so, blood, <laughs> young blood. Oh, it, Dragon's feet would have never been the same. <laughs> His feet would be tiny, <laughs> tiny diamonds. <laughs> oh, that should be a song. If they were drawn at all. <laughs> He's just got two green peg legs. <laughs> <laughs> Oh man, Savage Dragon is not so savage anymore. Um, no. <laughs> okay, so okay, very cool. Yeah, they because Alex ends up talking Dragon into going and visiting his grave, his girlfriend's grave, in, in this issue, and his uh, her mom's there. Mm-hmm. She turns around and gives him like all sorts of hell, and of course that didn't help. But you can tell, like I said, Alex is concerned with the Dragon, trying to help the guy out. The rematch with the Shrew. <laughs> oh man, with the the, the dual chainsaws. Ugh. Yeah, dude, dude just walks in there, and we're talking. Yeah, he's like, this time I came prepared, and he's got the freaking chainsaws in both hands, you know. And you're just like, oh my gosh, this is going to get ugly. And again, we get um, blood everywhere in this freaking. We're talking. I think I came up. I counted, Game of Thrones blood. <laughs> <laughs> I think I counted four pages of a fight. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's two pages of them, five panels apiece, widescreen, you know, looking stuff, but they're they're sitting there fighting back and forth. Dragon gets the upper hand, and I don't know, I, I assume Shrew's dead, because when Dragon <laughs> just starts pounding upon him, pounding upon him, I think he pretty much puts a hole in Shrew by punching him over and over and over. In that panel, where Dragon's, you know, Dragon's obviously lost it, and then he realizes being the mm-hmm. truth. When we say bloody pulp, we're not sitting here exaggerating in any way. And he's looking at his hands, and there's just, you know, again, gallons of blood dropping, dripping off of his arms. Uh, just gore and blood, and below him is all you see are two hands and a mouth and a and there's a bloody mess. That is, that is crazy. But again, you know, as a, as a, a kid in the 90s, I, I'm eating this up. This is like, oh, man. Mm-hmm. I, you know, if this is... I thought if this is the way these issues are going to be, I am going to be. I'm in. I, I will. I will. Uh, I will talk to my comic book retailer and I'll explain to him. I don't know what the hell pool list is, but I want Savage Dragon whenever it comes out. That's that's the way it was. That's how I first. You know, I never understood what the heck a pool list was. I went in and I talked to my. We had Lonnie down here. He'd hand me the previews book and he'd just be like, "Pick out what you want." And I'm like, "Oh, sweet." Oh, boy. that was a mistake because. I can remember sometimes I would go to college and be at college for like two months and come back home and stop by Lonnie's and he'd have a stack of like 20 comics there, <laughs> uh, yep. maybe more. 
And I was just like, oh, boy, I'm going to have to go cook some more chicken and make some more money. <laughs> so we got the shrew. We, we talked about Lieutenant Darling, Alex, and the only other people who really show up in here are uh, a couple uh, friends from another book that Larson's going to do. We have Ricochet and Barbaric. What are your thoughts on these guys? Barbaric looks like a red Wookiee, and uh, <laughs> Ricochet reminds me of a female, almost a cross between Cannonball and Speedball. Oh, it's way no. Girl. <laughs> no. We have Josh on the phone. Josh would be, hey, I heard you guys talking Squirrel Girl. His Calandra's his sense just went off. Squirrel Girl? <laughs> uh, although, I mean, she's got the goggles. Is that what, I haven't seen Squirrel Girl in a while, but is, is Squirrel Girl rocking the goggles? I, I stay away from Squirrel Girl. Well, you know what's going to have to happen, and we'll have to hop online and take a look. Yeah, Squirrel. That's true. I Okay. The thing that amazed me about this book was how many people were in this. I mean, he was pulling people out of his rear end left and right uh, in this one and and the the three-issue limited series. I mean, the shrew, barbaric, ricochet, Johnny Nitro, the guy whose head he put through a wall uh, in a bar – and then uh, that I mean he's he's in a surly mood this whole book and that's because you know in the limit in the uh, limited series the three issues of course he he pretty much goes through hell and back without remembering who he is I mean he's got amnesia so it's kind of crappy situation for him anyway and then the one person who treats him like a human being which is his girlfriend is murdered on his doorstep by her ex boyfriend so he's naturally ticked off so uh, this giant man who looks kind of like the absorbing man a little bit he he comes up and tells him you know he says hey pipsqueak and he says johnny nitro buy you a beer before i run you in and uh i'm like (laughs) you know that's that's like mel gibson lethal weapon kind of stuff you know sit down and have a drink with me before i take your butt to jail and then Uh um he takes johnny nitro's lighter who's he's taunting him with are you gonna breathe fire on me and he grabs a flask of whiskey and breathes fire into his face Yeah, and proceeded to just destroy everyone in the bar, destroy the bar, run a guy's head through a wall, and it was it was amazing. And then you got a prelude to another character uh, with these two, um, this couple that have it looks like a murder suicide, and they left their child down in a basement. Yes, Um, I I did want to kind of touch on that right there because I'm going to have to read the next few issues. I can't because I remember that being something that I was really on edge about it really creeped me the hell out yeah just oh yeah just those couple pages that you know we see and aren't we didn't this happen because because i was at first i was thinking i was a little kid stuck down in the basement but these these people killed themselves because of the kid didn't they yes because i can't remember her name but it, it turned out to be the part of freak force with ricochet and uh barbaric the girl that has the Spikes. spikes all over her body, yeah, yeah and the tail. Yeah, yeah, I know who you're talking about there. Oh, uh, yeah, I remember getting freaked out reading that and thinking, oh man, this is this is messed up. They killed themselves. I forgot to mention something on the inside cover. Creator, writer, penciler, inker Eric Larson. So the man's doing the duty here. He's writing this. He, he's he's penciling it. He's inking it. The whole editor thing. Do you, did I talk to you about how there's even though he put an editor on the inside of the cover, there was no editor of the book. The guy kind of asked him, "You're telling me that there was no editor on the Savage, you know, on the Savage Dragon?" And he's like, "Yeah." He's like, uh, "He's like Rob when he was doing his book. Uh, I think it was Rob. Maybe it was Todd. Uh, 
I think it was Todd. He's like, when when you look at the Spawn books, if you look at the editor, it was Wanda, Todd's wife. So yeah. Eric, Eric did the same thing. He just slapped editor and put his wife in there, and that was it. She never looked at the book. <laughs> she never had any – she had nothing to do with it. She just – she's like – so the guy asked him, well, why did you do that? And he's like, well, you know, when somebody looks at the book and they see editor and there's somebody listed there, well, hey, that's one more person that looked at the book and approved it Back to Freak Force here. Ricochet and Barbaric. You got you got a big red Wookiee. You got. By the way, Squirrel Girl does not wear goggles. I was incorrect. She does. Squirrel Girl does not wear goggles. Good to know. Yes. Yes. And <laughs> of, of course, we get a, a, a fight here, and you're wondering if they're going to be villains, but of course they're not. We get a decent fight. Ricochet steps in, stops them from fighting. Savage Dragon's looking for help because he, he can't do it all here for the Chicago Police Department. Right. So I, this is obviously Larson's way of bringing in, bringing in, you know, a, a separate superhero team. That way, Savage Dragon can be part of. When I read this, I was really interested in, in knowing uh, what was going to become of them, and uh, they were they were pretty cool characters because you don't know where they came from, but uh, eventually I found out that they, I think they were like squatting in a warehouse somewhere. Um, so he gave him a, a chance to get off the streets. Maybe I think that's what their, their, their story was. Um, I could be completely wrong on that, but I haven't read freak force in a long time, but uh, I, I was really interested in them because, uh, because of the dynamic and because they're inter- introducing so many different people in this. I wondered, you know, if this was going to be another book, if they were going to be prominent characters in this one, uh, they had a cool look about them. I'm not crazy about his shoulder pads, but hey, it was Image. It was the 90s. There were shoulder pads everywhere. <laughs> yeah. And now I'm looking at the actual issue here. I don't know what happens in the in the trade there, but um, you know, it, it kind of ends on you know the last panel is just Savage Dragon walking away, saying be in, be seeing you, and they're like bye. I was like, oh man, okay, what's going to happen next? And that's the end of the issue. Uh, yeah, that's, that's, well, I actually have the actual, the first issue here in my hand, and that's where it ended. And that's why I'm like, I really need to dig out the other issues. But then I remember that uh, issue two was a little bit special in its own right too. <laughs> what was what was because issue two? That was uh, the teenage mutant ninja turtle show up. That's right, man. Holy crap! Granted, I was a little bit older, but hey, I was still digging the turtles. Uh, I was still digging the turtles. Oh heck yeah! And the, these weren't your, this wasn't your Archie Turtles that was around Mm-mm. back then about the same time. If I remember correctly, that cover is Savage Dragon and all four red bandana turtles, correct? When I start seeing all four red bandana turtles, okay, now you got my attention. That feels official to me for some reason. Even though I love the cartoon mm-hmm. and I'm a huge fan of the turtles themselves, but yeah, I can't believe that was number two. And that, what a way to bring that in, too. I mean, geez, please. Oh, I know. We're talking image number one here, but I mean, as a series itself, I already told you where I dropped off at. I think it was like around the 70s. And it wasn't because I didn't have interest. It was mostly because I didn't have money. By the way, I don't know. I think we totally skipped over this. I'm pretty certain this came out in 92. Oh, I'm sorry. Savage Dragon, number one, June 1993. Wow. For, for me to go 60 or 70 issues, if he was doing it monthly, which I know he's, you know, he was he was trying. Man, you're talking five years there. Uh, I got married in 98, so most likely money started getting tight probably around 96, 97 when we got married That was and got our own place. That was when comics, it was either comics 
or magic cards for me. I, I stuck with the magic cards, but so I dropped out of Savage Dragon. About that. When, when was it for you that you stopped? Uh, you stopped with Savage Dragon. Oh gosh, it was probably forties or maybe the forties. Okay. Somewhere in through there, because I'm, you know, looking up all of these. I mean, I would have to go back and dig through uh, my long boxes, but I was in it. Gosh. Yeah, I know through the through at least issue 25 because I'm looking at it because there was you know Max and his love interest uh, Rapture, you know where he was impaled on the yeah. (laughs) There's another comic code authority. uh, (laughs) Yes, uh, indeed. I will. I have a photographic memory. I think I I don't know what the symptoms are. If there are symptoms to having photographic memory, (laughs) I can remember that issue. (laughs) And where I was when I read that issue, because I was just like, man, I really don't think my dad needs to be seeing me reading this issue. <laughs> I did so, the same thing. <laughs> it's just like, whoa, holy crap. I can't believe I'm looking at that right now. Um, rapture. Exactly. Yeah, Rapture. Um, okay, so yeah, you're naming off some stuff there. What was? Do you have like a, a favorite favorite story arc? I really dug all the way up to issue 10. I mean, a lot. But I liked, uh, I think his name was The Fiend, where um, anything involving him, really. I liked where he, uh, you know, it was the the entity that would possess people that were angry and turn them into, a, a, like, this rage-fueled monster that would tear people apart. And uh, the, he was always going after the dragon. But then I liked uh, where he got to take or was was going up against um, uh, Overlord. Is that his name? The main uh, mob boss. Yeah. And uh, and Overlord just absolutely destroyed him. Shot his hand off, threw him out of the window. He was impaled on a, uh, was it a church steeple? Part of a building. And uh, that was, that was different for me because that was like, like we said, it was blood everywhere. I mean, people being dismembered, and, and uh, uh, I really, really liked that whole storyline where he finally found out that Frank was involved in the whole situation. Definitely the first 10 to 15 issues, I dug completely. And then, you know, I was reading um, all the way up at least through the 30s, and it, you know, but those were definitely my favorites because they were, um, they got a little crazy. After a oh, little yeah. while, but uh, but it was it was some good stuff. It's got to be hard to write again. Kudos, to Eric Larson, for writing a story, a character for. I think we're over two hundred issues now, right? I mean, we're yeah, oh uh, yeah. He's you, you're trying to write a character for for that long to try and keep the stories that interesting uh, as best as possible. It takes a lot of uh, a lot of dedication. My goodness. He set out. This is his life. <laughs> that we're actually. I mean, this is his life in this book, yeah. which is just kind of crazy when you think about it. Because you look at other artists, other creators, they create something and they move on. You know, after a few issues, I cannot, honest to goodness, I cannot tell you another creator that created a comic book and has wrote it for over twenty years. Right. It's impossible for me. I mean, I don't know. There, there may be something out there, but I, I can't think of anything that is awe-inspiring to me. That's probably what makes him one of my favorite uh, comic book creators. When, when it comes to storylines, uh, I'm trying to think of, of my favorite. I, you were talking about how crazy it got. You, you know, you go on there, one of the few things, uh, if you go searching for images of Savage Dragon, there's 
uh, a talk with God where, yeah. I mean, Larson decided to bring God and devil into things. And I mean, the God, oh, I mean, yeah. just like he, you know, it's, you could see that he was flexing his muscle with his character because he could, you know, or his book, I guess you should say, because it's his book. He can do whatever he wants. Here we are. We're looking at. I'm looking at this <laughs> dragon talking with God. From what I understand, yeah, dragons. Dragons now, or at one point, was out in space. Uh, he was on like, yep, Dragon yep. World. You know, you, you talk about Overlord. Uh, <laughs> we were talking. I was on Everyone Loves a Bad Guy with Winfrey while, way while back, and we was talking. We were talking comic book villains. Uh, Negan from Walking Dead made it on there. We, we mm-hmm. had we had quite a few people we were talking about, but uh, one of the people I brought up for sure was Overlord because I can remember just like you're saying, Savage Dragon was oh my gosh, this guy is balls tough. And then he meets yeah. Overlord, and just like you said, he gets his ass handed to him. And I oh, thought it was I can remember reading that issue where he gets killed. Well, he, where he gets impaled on the freaking church steeple. I remember sitting there in the cafeteria at school, reading that issue and going, what the hell is going to happen now? He's dead. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, this man uh, has a building coming out of his chest. That's <laughs> what, what, like, what well, Where do you go from there? Tune in next issue. I mean, I can remember sitting there thinking, how is he going? And, it's, you know, the anticipation of the next issue was just to watch himself pull himself off of this church. Oh, and, uh, I, I mean, that was that was, that was was great. Eric Larson had more of my money. I would definitely right. have to agree with you. The Overlord stuff was really cool, which Overlord, from what I understand, I don't, as of right now, I don't know if he's still around, but I know he was still kicking it at least two years ago. So Overlord in some sh- shape or form is still still out there. Now, that's the I know Larson took things different, you know, different directions, you know, as to who Overlord is or what Overlord is, I, I don't know in what capacity they are. You know, back then it just seemed to me it was a simple, he's a crime boss with better, you know, with technology. But yeah, I loved his run-ins with Overlord. So yeah, that's probably where I would lean there uh, in regards to storylines. So that's Savage Dragon number one. Um, let me see if I got anything else here. You know, he, uh, yeah, I, I wrote a couple things down here and I, I, from the book itself, if you guys, like, again, if you guys get a chance to read Road to Independence, there's a lot of great tidbits in there. He talks about how, you know, the guys came together, an image was formed, and, of course, the falling out. Uh, one of the videos that we that I watched was Founders, uh, where the image Founders came together. I don't know how long ago this was. It was 2010 or, or whatever. All the guys came together and was doing a signing at the comic shop. And I think the guy asked him, you know, what, what would you have done different? And like I said, it's rare that Larson has any regret, regrets, but he says, he, he mentions that he kind of wishes they would have had their stuff together. When you got a lot of creators uh, coming together and you're going to be creating your bone book, uh, these were a lot of great artists. Their their trade was art. Now, writing story was a diff, was probably a whole nother ball of wax. And in order to write a story, pencil a story, ink a story, ink a comic, and get it out on time, provided to be one of the biggest hurdles of Image's uh, revolutionary era. They mm-hmm. had one of the toughest times. And I think that's what you know. Eric Larson says he, he wishes they would have done was had the books coming out on a regular schedule. You know, are you familiar with Wetworks at all? Have we talked about Wetworks? We haven't, but yes, I am very familiar with Wetworks. Okay. I mean, I can remember seeing stuff all over the place about Wetworks. Like, oh, that's going to be a good book. You know, a year later or something like that, I'm looking at a new book 
a, a new book, and they're still talking about Wet Works number one coming out. And I'm like, whoa, still yeah. hasn't come yeah. out? I mean, yeah. I'm just like taken aback at, at stuff like that. I, sh- I should say that's the first time I recognized where Image was having some troubles, where they were kind of tripping over their own feet trying to get these books out. But I'm sure, you know, you start a new company, there's going to be some kinks you got to try and knock out. You know, Spawn number one, if Spawn number one sold 900,000 copies, I'd say that's, you know, that's pretty darn good. Um, so I'll, I'll <laughs> yeah, give, really him, get you there. <laughs> give him credit for that. This it was really interesting that this book and um, Spawn are the only two original image books that are left in the, in, right. in, in, in the company. Yes. So, um, I mean, that tells you something about Eric Larson and, and, uh, and what he's doing with this book. So... Yeah, he, you know, you got to think about that. It, it, just like you said, both of those are original books when the company started, and Eric Larson is the only guy still, you know, obviously doing full ju- full duty on his on his books. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Wait, did you ever? Did I tell you uh, about Image United? Are you familiar with Image United at all? Um, a little bit, a little bit, but, um, just in passing. I want to go. I want to talk a little bit about this, just real quick, and I, I promise we'll we'll end up. Cause I know it's, we're getting late here. Image United was this. It was a great, great concept. Okay, imagine a book. You got the image founders sitting there that are. You guys are like, okay, got the image founders, and they're like, okay, we're going to do a book. But the way we're going to do this book, I think it's going to be like six issues. And we're going to bring all the superheroes back that you know that that we br- what we brought to the company: Savage Dragon, Spawn, Wildcats. What? Well, I don't know. Shouldn't say Wildcats because that's sold and done. So can't, I, mean, right. all this, I forgot all about Jim Lee uh, being you know the head of DC. <laughs> right. <laughs> Let's go. My bad. But uh, but we got you know we got uh, Savage Dragon. We got the uh, in- Invincible. I don't know. Is that the name of the hero? By the way, I've never read Invincible at yeah. all. So. That is his name. Yeah, it is. We got Invincible. We've got crap. You know, Wet Works. I'm assuming's in there some somewhere. Um, but anyway, these guys are bringing these heroes together. Uh, but it's not just going to be a book of all these heroes. Each creator is going to pencil their own character in each panel. Okay? Oh wow! Yes, that's what makes this a very very unique book. I don't know if I've ever seen anything like this. There may be something out there like that, but these guys were going to... There's three issues of this out there right now, and the last issue, I think, came out in 2009. <laughs> it was a six-issue series. So, but yeah, each guy... Okay, if you lay out a panel. Okay, here, Todd, here is... Here's the panel. Now, you're going to draw Spawn, and then you, you send that page to the next guy. He would do his characters on whatever the page is. And so all these artists have now got their hands in this book. Of course, image it's just so sad because we end up getting I think there was like oh man, let me just pull it up here because there was a timeline that I had. There it, it I guess the first two issues come out like real quick. As of two thousand as of February two thousand fourteen, only three of the planned six six issues had been published. Image United number four and number five were solicited for an April and May of two thousand ten release for five years. After that, at this point, and Image United number four has not even hit the stand. Imagine the logistics of this. I almost want to tip my hat at him to actually getting three issues out, but I don't think the story will ever be finished because it's just like I saw a video where they asked Rob, like, hey, what's up with Image United? He's like, oh, it's coming out there here in a few months. Don't worry. It's definitely coming out. And that was 2010. 
<laughs> you know, there's an article that Eric Larson where he specifically talks about what happened to Image United, and it's it's just I think the logistics of it has just killed. It. And of course, you got these guys who were notorious. They were notorious for having late books. They come up with this awesome plan, yeah. and what happens? <laughs> everything is late. Everything is late. But last thing I want to talk about. I'm just going to do this as quick as possible. For those of you who have been <laughs> listening to the show, I created a Twitter account for the Source Material Podcast. With that, I decided that, hey, I'm going to get in touch with Eric Larson, and I'm going to ask him a question. So Source Material decided that their first creator that they're going to get in contact with would be one of the main man one of the main men from the from the image from the image company and that is Eric Larson. So here we go. I want to read you the question and we're going to we're going to go tweet by tweet here. Right? <laughs> your your tweets are going to show up here, Ronnie. And Josh, if you're okay. listening, you be prepared cuz your tweets are going to show up. But uh I'll give you the question I wanted to ask first and then we'll go with the question that I actually got asked. The question I wanted to ask was Eric Larson, what is one question that you wish they would ask you at comic conventions. Now, my angle here was to ask the guy, you know, maybe there's some type of a question out there that he wishes, you know, somebody would ask him. Maybe there's some kind of uncovered nugget that Eric Larson would like to expose, but hell, nobody ever asked Eric Larson. So I thought I was pretty damn clever. Well, um, okay, here's the, here's, the, here's the litany of tweets that happen. Okay, source material asked Eric Larson, Hey, Eric J. Larson, what is one question that you wish they would ask you at Christmas comic conventions? <laughs> <laughs> so, Eric Larson tweets back and he says, Nothing comes to mind other than what are you doing here? Don't you have a family? Why aren't you home? <laughs> All right. Now, I'm just going to go ahead and put you in the mind of, mindset of, uh, of me at this point. I'm going to let Eric Larson just replied to my tweet. Then it's more like, then he sends out this next tweet. He says, I've actually never done, or I've, I've never actually done a show at Christmas time. I stay home. And now my, my excitement has gone to complete confusion. Because I'm like, what is he talking about Christmas time? How is this figure in <laughs> to this tweet? I don't know where he's coming from here. So I proceed to look at it, and I realize my epic and total blunder in putting Christmas Auto, first off, that's autocorrect. That's not me, okay? Autocorrect, I don't know what exactly happened here, but Christmas got added into it somehow, and I'm just glad it made some some sense, at least. Um, so my, my intention was to actually leave it at that. I was not going, I just apologized pretty much to him. I said, well, I'll read it here. Epic autocorrect fail, facepalm. Now I've got to see if there are Christmas comic cons just to salvage any credibility. Um, so Eric Larson, I pretty much have, uh, <laughs> I pretty much assume Eric Larson is like, who the hell is this guy? And uh, I, I'm, I'm done talking to Eric Larson. I'm just going to go hide in the corner pretty much what I planned on doing. But in uh, humble fashion, I, I sent a tweet out to you guys. I sent a tweet out to Teasley. I told him that's how Source Material asked one of their favorite comic creators the important questions without reviewing it before sending. Uh, I sent one to you and, and uh, Calandros, and that did nothing but the best professional tweets coming from Source Material. <laughs> uh, you replied with, uh, bells will be ringing. And, uh, of course, we got, we've got uh, Calandros chimes in with needs mo- needs more poop or farts. Uh, that's, that, that's expected. Yeah, that's, that's, yeah, that's Josh. <laughs> uh, 
you comment and say that's brilliant. But Eric Larson, the 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 coolest guy as that he is, he he comes back and he says, "What were you trying to?" Ask? And I explained to him obviously that the word Christmas was not even supposed to be there. Uh, I'm sure I, I decide to elaborate. I'm sure you probably get asked the same thing in a lot uh, at many cons. Is there anything you or is there something you'd wish someone would ask you at a panel? Like something you feel is important to the big picture of things, but most people seem to miss. <clears throat> His response was not that I can think of off the top of my head. Ah, well, I'm like, okay, well that's it. Uh, thanks, Eric. I appreciate your I appreciate the contribution. Um, so I, <laughs> I tweeted him back. I said, good enough. I appreciate the patience and the response. Merry Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, he, that was amazing. <laughs> he, uh, he does get back in there, though. He says, mostly you get tired of the same few questions because those answers don't change and every interview sounds the same. You want folks to dig deeper, but you don't necessarily have that perfect question in mind. Again, Eric Larson is freaking communicating with me via Twitter. I'm ecstatic that he even freaking answered, came back, and wanted to know what the hell I originally wanted to ask. Um, so I'm excited at this point. At that point, you know, I, I told him, I said, well, if I ever catch you at a panel, I'm asking you about Christmas Comic Con. <laughs> and then I, th I thanked him again. But he decides to continue. Um, Eric Larson says, Either people ask the same thing or they mix it up and ask silly questions. Now, that makes me look real good because I'm going to be the guy asking about Christmas comic books. Trust me, that's going to happen if I ever get him at a panel. He's not going to forget me. But he says, which can be a waste of time. I think creators want more technical meat and potatoes questions, ones that indicate they actually know. And that was my Twitter conversation with Eric Larson. You can see the creator side of, creator side of him coming out in this conversation itself. Creators want more technical meat and potatoes questions. When I go to a con, if I'm in a panel and I want to ask a question, I want it to be one that is something that they don't get asked a lot. So that's kind of what I was digging for, just to kind of get an idea. Like, maybe there is something that, 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 that people are missing when they when they talk to Eric Larson, or maybe there's something that he'd like people to know about. And there's your answer. So that's, uh, that's what he has to say. That was fun. That was fun. Yeah, absolutely. I was a little starstruck for you. About you know Eric Larson responding no, and then taking the time uh, to say hey you know, what what did you mean? Whereas most uh, you know not I don't know if most but some you know artists uh, stars musicians whatever would be like screw it I'm not I'm not putting up with that you know. So he was like he's got twenty one point nine thousand followers. Gosh. And I mean that's a lot. That's uh, it's. it's you know, I'm working my way up to, I think, the double digits here on the Source Mac cast. <laughs> I'm, I'm, so, I'm a little bit behind, but I mean 21.9 thousand, and he took the time to actually answer some questions, which was which was really cool. Again, he seems like a decent dude from the stuff I've seen online. Have you ever had it? I mean, do you ever follow Larson on Twitter? Do you see some of the stuff he puts out there? Yes. He's he's very opinionated. Um, very opinionated. <laughs> Very opinionated. He's he's got his views. Uh, so again, that that confidence side of him um, definitely comes out, and he doesn't hesitate to voice how he feels on uh, on Twitter. Uh, shoot, I think I just saw it. Was something, it looked like he was getting into it with a fan. Him and Liefeld both. It's cool. To, it's cool that we have a medium like Twitter to actually <laughs> hobnob with somebody you never. I'll, I don't know if I ever see Eric Larson in person. I really don't. The guy lives on the West Coast. I don't know what kind of, I mean, the guy probably hits the East Coast for like New York Comic Con or something like that, but I, I mean, unless somebody's probably paying him some decent dollars, I don't know if I'm ever going to see him at Tricon or I don't know if I'm going to see him at, at Wizard World. 
I was a little star starstruck myself. And Twitter is an awesome thing where you can you can uh, kind of rub elbows and maybe get even a, a, a few questions asked. So that was that was really neat. You got anything else you want to add on Savage Dragon before we get into plugs? No, just that it is impressive that it is still going uh, over 20 years later, and in the issues of you know, 200s, character progression has been amazing from what I can read and, and glean from articles and different things like that. And uh, uh, they did finally—I don't know if you if you got a hold of—but they did refi- finally reveal his big secret origin. Oh, they were they. I didn't read it. I, I haven't read it. But is that tenth anniversary like special edition hardcover thing for Image? Do you have any idea where it came from? Yeah. Uh, yes, it was the tenth anniversary. You want to uh, tell us? Yeah. I, I, I don't know if we're going to talk Savage Dragon again. So I don't. His origin, as I said, was in the Image Comics tenth anniversary hardcover book uh, hmm. released in two thousand five. <laughs> was. Wow. Uh, he was revealed as uh, Dragon used to be an evil tyrant named Emperor Kerr who led a nomadic race of space aliens who spent thousands of years traveling through space searching for a suitable new home world. And after Kerr had chosen Earth, he decided to go against his people's peaceful ways and slaughter all humans. Two scientists conspired against him, gave him brain damage, uh, erased his memory, uh, and planned him with his memories five days' worth of satellite television broadcasts from Earth. Uh, I mean, implanted within his memories, five days' worth of satellite television broadcasts from Earth. And then he was sent to live on Earth while his race moved on to search for a new planet elsewhere. Interesting. He mentions the origin story. The guy asked him, I think that's where I got the the information that it was in that hardcover. Because the guy asked him, here he goes, he goes, that origin that you wrote for him in Image Comics Anniversary Hardcover, that something you started with, or did that come out later? I'm reading from Image Comics, Road to Independence. He says, well, it was pretty much, I'd never sat down and drawn it before. It was 100% line for line figured out, but it's pretty damn close. Uh, he goes, it wasn't 100% line for line figured out, but it's pretty damn close. I knew the basic stuff about it. Uh, there's no big surprise in there for me. It's important when you're doing the story and you're dropping clues about the character and where he came from and like that. You better know what the hell, where he came from before you start giving things. Before you start giving If you start making up shit on the fly, it really shows. So that origin right there, the man, the man's had it. He's had it in his mind the whole time. Um, yeah. So it's, you know, I wonder if he's got an end game. I don't know. That's a good. Uh, that's a good question. What What would be his final? What, what's going to be his final story? I wish I, I. My plan is to try and catch up with Savage yeah. Dragon. I mean, I honestly would. I, you know, I've, I've gushed and gushed about how much um, you know. I'm a big fan of Eric Larson. I, I want to read his stuff. I want to read. I want to read the Dragon. I want to be able to 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 be caught up on it and know where it's going to be. But it's going to be crazy if he. I don't know if he'll ever. Read End it. You know, we were just saying he wants to write it until he dies. Well, I mean, it's going to be kind of hard to write an issue and say, you know, well, I'm expecting to die within a couple of weeks uh, or another right. couple of months. I hope that he never has to face something like that. But and then he writes the final story. But you know, you got to think he probably doesn't have an end. I was kind of. Yeah, I was kind of thinking, man. He said he's going to write it until he dies. He's kind of just going to leave us hanging, isn't he? <laughs> yes, man. When we're twenty, you know, thirty, thirty or forty years from now, you know, we're going to be sitting there. I wonder what happened to Savage Dragon. It's going to be like it's going to be like this huge fight or something, and then that's going to be the last issue. Cliffhanger, cliffhanger ending. You know, Savage Dragon is in the middle of something, and we're going to we're, we're going to do a special exactly. podcast just to bitch about it. 
That's exactly what I was going to say. It's going to be this intense storyline where he mm-hmm. gets into a fight with some overpowered villain, and he's on life support, and then that's it. You don't know how that ends. <laughs> Damn it! Damn it, Eric! Um, <laughs> I curse, we will curse his name. Um, well, man, let me let me first extend a thank you to you for coming on here and talking Savage Dragon with me. I greatly appreciate it. Oh, thank man, you. it's always a pleasure. Thank you for having me on. Uh, I, I love coming on the show, love talking comics. It's one of my favorite things ever. Uh, so I really appreciate you having me on. Absolutely. Thank you very much for joining us. Do not forget to subscribe to our new home by punching in W2M Network on just about any podcast platform to get all of our content into your audio feed. Also, give a like to the Rattlich in Broadcasting Network and W2Mnet.com Facebook page in order to stay on top of everything that we have to offer. If you'd like to follow the Source Material podcast on social media, just follow at SourceMatCast on Twitter, and we are on Facebook at Source Material Comics Podcast. If you enjoyed what you heard, please feel free to share. We look forward to entertaining you again soon.